you are now tuned into World War II Stories. I'm your host, Steve Matthews, and I'm here to take you on a journey through the whirlwind of historical events that shaped our world and defined generations. Stay tuned every Tuesday and Thursday as we delve into the riveting, inspiring, and sometimes tragic stories from World War II. We'll meet the brave men and women who stood up to tyranny, we'll explore clandestine operations and daring escapes, and we'll pay tribute to the resilience of the human spirit in times of extreme adversity. Also, be sure to check out our other podcast focusing on World War I, the conflict that set the stage for the global turmoil that followed. Use the link in the description below. The Pacific Ocean, vast and seemingly limitless, conceals a history of bloodshed and courage within its azure depths. As the echoes of World War II continue to reverberate through time, tales of valor, sacrifice, and strategic genius rise from beneath the waves, forever etching their legacy onto the canvas of human history. One such tale is the Battle of Tarawa, a deadly contest of will and power that unfolded across the sun-scorched atoll of Tarawa in the Gilbert Islands. This story, steeped in heroism and tragedy, is far more than a historical event. It's a testament to human spirit and endurance, a vivid snapshot of a world at war. In the heat of November 1943, the tranquil, palm-fringed beaches of Tarawa became the stage for one of the most ferocious battles of the Pacific theater. It was a confrontation where the indomitable forces of the United States faced the hardened defenses of the Imperial Japanese Army. Both sides, motivated by the strategic importance of the Pacific Islands, were locked in a desperate struggle that would forever alter the trajectory of the war. Behind each gun fired, each strategy devised, and each life lost, there were men of unwavering conviction. Men like Admiral Chester Nimitz, the audacious commander of the U.S. Pacific Fleet, and Vice Admiral Keiji Shibasaki, the steadfast Japanese defender of Tarawa. Their decisions and actions, rippling out like waves in the Pacific, shaped the course of this dramatic battle. This is the story of the Battle of Tarawa, a tale of fire and fury, hope and heartbreak. It's a journey through the grueling days of combat, the costly triumph, and the enduring legacy of this pivotal moment in World War II. We dive into the depths of strategy, explore the heroism in the face of overwhelming odds, and pay tribute to the profound impact of this battle on the course of the war. In the shadow of these monumental events, we're reminded that history isn't merely a record of what has been, but a beacon illuminating the path ahead. Chapter 1 the Prelude. The grand chessboard of the Pacific lay beneath the ceaseless sky, its islands like scattered pawns in a game of epic proportions. It was 1943, and the world had been locked in the throes of the Second World War for four brutal years. Far from the blitzed streets of London and the snow laden fronts of Russia, the Pacific region had become a battleground of a different kind. The players in this part of the world? The United States determined to thwart the advances of the Axis powers, and Japan, an imperial force intent on expanding its dominion over the Pacific Islands. Their game was one of strategic gains and losses, where possession of the islands meant control over sea and air routes, essentially making the Pacific a colossal battlefield. The United States had adopted a strategy of island hopping, 
a tactical operation designed to bypass heavily fortified Japanese positions, capturing strategic locations to get closer to the Japanese mainland. The Gilbert Islands, of which Tarawa was a part, represented a vital link in this chain. Their capture was necessary to provide the Allies with an airbase, a staging point for the future assaults on the Mariana Islands. Meanwhile, the Japanese perceived the importance of these islands with equal clarity. In command of Tarawa was Vice Admiral Keiji Shibasaki, a seasoned military strategist. Shibasaki, possessing a keen understanding of the approaching danger, was resolute in his defense. He fortified Tarawa into what he boldly described as a fortress impervious to attack, boasting that it would take a million men a hundred years to conquer it. Elsewhere, Admiral Chester Nimitz, the stoic commander of the U.S. Pacific Fleet, was busy drawing up plans for Operation Galvanic, the assault on the Gilbert Islands. An imposing figure with a formidable reputation, Nimitz was known for his unwavering resolve and strategic acumen. The impending battle of Tarawa would test not only his leadership but also the spirit and mettle of every soldier under his command. In this great theater of war, these islands were more than just fragments of land amidst the vast Pacific, they were stepping stones to victory or defeat. As the tension simmered and strategies were drawn, the Battle of Tarawa loomed on the horizon, ready to unfold its gruesome yet heroic tale. The wheels of destiny, set in motion, now centered around two men one the embodiment of the Japanese resolve, the other an epitome of American grit. The Battle of Tarawa would not just be a clash of nations, but a duel between their strategies, their decisions, and their very will. Standing like a bulwark against the impending American assault was Vice Admiral Keiji Shibasaki. A seasoned soldier and astute military tactician, he had spent a significant part of his life within the disciplined ranks of the Imperial Japanese Navy. Shibasaki, always meticulously attired in his crisp uniform, had an unyielding gaze that betrayed his firm conviction and rigid discipline. His responsibility was clear, to transform the serene beauty of Tarawa into an impregnable fortress. Shibasaki approached this mission with ruthless efficiency, shaping the island into a lethal labyrinth of artillery positions, bunkers, and trenches. Underneath the lush tropical foliage, he created a network of reinforced tunnels, on the turquoise reef that surrounded the island, he placed barriers and obstacles to thwart landing craft. He was the maestro of this symphony of defense, his baton orchestrating a tune of defiance and resilience. In sharp contrast, halfway across the Pacific, Admiral Chester Nimitz was hunched over a chart of the Gilbert Islands, his fingers tracing the thin lines that represented the Atoll of Tarawa. A tall, imposing figure, Nimitz was a man of few words. His quiet demeanor, however, belied the strategic brilliance that had earned him the role of commander of the U.S. Pacific Fleet. Around Nimitz, in the busy war rooms of Pearl Harbor, military aides and intelligence officers scurried about, planning the assault on Tarawa. Nimitz was the calm at the eye of this storm, his steady gaze reflecting his unwavering resolve. His challenge was not merely to conquer the distant atoll, but to do so with minimal loss of life, a task complicated by limited intelligence and the formidable Japanese defenses. 
the fate of thousands of men in the course of the Pacific War rested heavily on his broad shoulders. In the silent prelude to the storm that was the Battle of Tarawa, these two men, Shibasaki and Nimitz, would play critical roles. Their decisions would intertwine with the lives of thousands, their strategies would collide on the small atoll, and their legacies would be forged in the crucible of this intense battle. As the preparations for battle ramped up on both sides of the Pacific, a palpable tension gripped the air. Each sunset brought the world one day closer to a clash that would paint the tranquil beaches of Tarawa with the tragic hues of war. Over on Tarawa, Vice Admiral Shibasaki tirelessly drove his men to fortify the island, overseeing each detail with a hawk's eye. Bulldozers carved into the coral soil, their mechanical growls drowning out the soothing crash of waves. Gun emplacements rose, their cold, gray barrels a stark contrast against the warm tones of the tropical setting. Night and day, the island transformed under Shibasaki's relentless watch the verdant paradise giving way to an intimidating fortress. Shibasaki's determination was mirrored by his adversary, Admiral Nimitz, over 2,000 miles away. Nimitz, amidst a flurry of maps and reports, spearheaded Operation Galvanic, the codename for the planned invasion of Tarawa. His war room buzzed with activity as intelligence was scrutinized, strategies were debated, and plans were laid down. The enormity of the task was never lost on Nimitz, but it was a challenge he accepted with a quiet, resolute determination. Word of the impending assault spread among the U.S. forces. Young Marines, far from their homes, girded themselves for a battle unlike any they had known. Tales of the Japanese defenses filtered down the ranks, stoking a mixture of fear and resolve. The scent of the sea air was slowly overpowered by the musk of metal and oil as they ran drills, checked their weapons, and steeled themselves for the conflict that awaited. Meanwhile, reports of the formidable defenses of Tarawa reached the U.S. public, adding an undercurrent of unease to their daily lives. Newspapers filled with stories of the distant Pacific island, previously unknown to most, now thrust into the national consciousness. Yet, amid the worry, a resolute spirit of defiance began to crystallize. War had a way of uniting the divided, and the American people stood together, their hopes pinned on the men poised to wrest Tarawa from Japanese hands. Thus, with every passing day, the world edged closer to the Battle of Tarawa. It was a vortex of anticipation, pulling in the hopes, fears, and fates of thousands. The stage was set the players were ready, and the curtain was about to rise on one of the most ferocious battles of World War II. Chapter 2 The Strategy At the heart of Pearl Harbor, in a maze of maps and charts, Admiral Chester Nimitz oversaw the American strategy to seize Tarawa. He understood the challenges they faced. He knew about the coral reef encircling the island, the fortified defenses, the lack of proper intelligence. Yet. Nimitz also recognized that the strategic significance of Tarawa was too great to ignore. Assembling his top commanders, Nimitz mapped out Operation Galvanic. The plan was meticulous but bold, hinged on the power of surprise and brute force. The first phase involved a vigorous aerial and naval bombardment, intended to soften the Japanese defenses. The logic was straightforward, 
a powerful, sustained attack would cripple enemy artillery and pave the way for an amphibious assault. Phase 2 was the heart of the operation, the landing of thousands of Marines onto the beaches of Tarawa. Using a flotilla of landing crafts, the Marines would storm the island from various directions. They hoped to overwhelm the enemy through sheer numbers and secure a beachhead. The reef surrounding the island, which they believed to be passable by their amphibious vehicles, was factored into their plans. The final phase involved securing the island, inch by bloody inch, until the last vestiges of Japanese resistance were extinguished. Ground troops, supported by tanks and artillery, would methodically dismantle the Japanese defenses, a task they anticipated would take no more than three days. In this grand scheme, Nimitz counted on the resolve of his marines, men honed by intense training and imbued with an unflinching sense of duty. The young soldiers, many barely out of their teens, were the real crux of the operation. In their hands rested the success of the plan and, with it, the fate of the Pacific Campaign. Confident in his strategy, Nimitz issued the orders for Operation Galvanic. It was a gamble of immense proportions, with high stakes and unpredictable odds. But the seasoned admiral knew that in the cauldron of war, fortune often favored the brave. As the American forces set their sights on the distant atoll, Operation Galavanic shifted from a plan on paper to a stirring reality. On the atoll of Tarawa, under the blazing tropical sun, Vice Admiral Keiji Shibasaki was driving his men in a frenzy of preparations. To Shibasaki, every grain of sand, every swaying palm, every stretch of the azure lagoon was a potential weapon in the upcoming battle. Under his stern gaze, the serene landscape morphed into a daunting bastion. Soldiers toiled day and night, fortifying bunkers, planting mines, and preparing positions for artillery. The atoll, previously known for its serene beauty, took on an ominous new identity. The reef that ringed Tarawa played a crucial role in Shibasaki's plans. He understood that it presented a natural barrier to the approaching American forces. To strengthen this defense, he ordered the construction of an intricate series of obstacles on the reef, designed to impede the progress of landing crafts. But Shibasaki's preparations extended beyond physical fortifications. He trained his men meticulously, instilling in them a deep sense of duty and readiness for the upcoming battle. In the hearts of his soldiers, he planted the seed of resistance, fostering a resolve that was as formidable as the island's defenses. With the passage of each day, Shibasaki's fortress grew more imposing. He was aware of the might of the American forces, yet he never faltered in his belief that Tarawa could be held. Each layer of defense, each strategically placed gun, each well-trained soldier was a testament to his unwavering confidence. In the midst of these fervent preparations, there was an undercurrent of anticipation and resolve. The once tranquil Tarawa had been honed into a sharpened blade, ready to meet the forthcoming storm. The countdown to one of the most brutal battles in the Pacific was well underway, and Shibasaki and his men stood ready to face whatever lay on the horizon. November 20, 1943, dawned like any other day over the Pacific, the first rays of sunlight piercing the ocean's veil. But beneath this ordinary facade, an extraordinary event was unfolding. 
American warships emerged from the horizon, their steel-gray hulls cutting through the calm waters towards the atoll of Tarawa. Aboard these vessels, thousands of marines steeled themselves for the battle ahead. Their faces, etched with determination, mirrored the resolve infused in them by their commander, Admiral Chester Nimitz. As they checked their weapons and murmured quiet prayers, the enormity of their task weighed heavily on their young shoulders. Simultaneously, on the shores of Tarawa, Vice Admiral Keiji Shibasaki rallied his forces. The approaching rumble of American warships echoed ominously across the island, shattering the early morning tranquility. Shibasaki, ever the composed leader, used this moment to embolden his troops, reminding them of their duty to the emperor and their homeland. As the sun rose higher, the opening salvo of Operation Galvanic was unleashed. American warships unleashed a ferocious barrage, their thunderous roars echoed across the expanse of the Pacific, shaking the very foundations of Tarawa. The sky darkened with American planes adding their payload to the barrage, a storm of destruction intended to soften the Japanese defenses. Despite the terrifying spectacle, Shibasaki's defenses held firm. His men took cover in the fortified positions, as shells exploded around them, shaking the ground beneath. The Japanese responded with anti-aircraft fire, the tracer rounds streaking through the smoke-filled sky, painting a chaotic canvas of war. With the bombardment over, the next phase of the battle commenced. Amphibious landing crafts, filled to the brim with marines, embarked towards the reef-ring shores of Tarawa. Little did they know, they were heading into a storm of resistance, where every inch of the beach was contested, and victory was as uncertain as the Pacific waves. Thus, as the sun burned bright overhead, the Battle of Tarawa commenced, a brutal dance of war that would leave an indelible mark on the annals of history. It was a fight that would test the mettle of every soldier, a fight where the very sands of Tarawa would bear witness to the courage, sacrifice, and horrors of war. Chapter 3 The Clash of Armies The bombardment ceased, leaving a veil of smoke and silence that was quickly replaced by the roar of landing craft engines. The Marines, hearts pounding in their chests, surged toward the shores of Tarawa. This was Operation Galvanic in action, a meticulously crafted plan now meeting the unforgiving reality of war. However, the obstacle Shibasaki had placed on the coral reef surrounding Tarawa became an unforeseen hurdle. Many of the landing crafts, designed to traverse the reef at high tide, found themselves stranded as the tide receded earlier than anticipated. Marines were forced to disembark, finding themselves waist-deep in the lagoon, more than half a mile from the shore, exposed and vulnerable. On the beaches, the Japanese defenses sprung to life. Gunfire ripped through the stillness, turning the serene lagoon into a deadly trap. Machine guns chattered, and artillery shells screamed, turning the advancing Marines' progress into a painstakingly slow crawl through a hailstorm of lead. Yet, amid the chaos, stories of indomitable courage emerged. Men like First Lieutenant William Hawkins, who repeatedly exposed himself to enemy fire, leading his men in clearing Japanese positions with grenades and rifle fire. Or Colonel David Shoup, who despite being wounded, directed operations on the beach and rallied his troops, 
infusing them with his unyielding spirit. Their actions would later earn them the Medal of Honor. Back on the American ships, Admiral Nimitz watched the battle unfold with a furrowed brow. The initial stages of the operation had not gone as planned. The sturdy Japanese defenses and the unforeseen problem with the reef had stymied their progress. Yet, he knew there was no turning back. He sent forth more waves of Marines, each met with the same relentless Japanese defense. The first day of the Battle of Tarawa drew to a close with the setting sun painting the sky with ominous hues. The American forces had secured a small, precarious foothold on the beach but at a heavy cost. The night fell, but the gunfire did not cease, the battle carrying on under the cover of darkness. Operation Galvanic, launched with great hopes, had run into unexpected obstacles. But it was far from over. The Marines, despite the setbacks, were not deterred. As the battle raged on, they understood that their true test had just begun, a test that would push them to the limits of their courage and endurance. The following days saw Tarawa transform into a nightmarish landscape. The tranquil lagoon was churned into a turbulent sea, marred by the detritus of war. The once pristine beaches now echoed with the cacophony of gunfire, punctuated by the screams of the wounded and the urgent shouts of commanders. For the Marines, every step forward was hard won. They fought tooth and nail against a relentless enemy, advancing under constant fire from one fortified position to the next. Moments of heroism punctuated the brutality, as men risked their lives to drag wounded comrades to safety or charge enemy positions. Among them was First Lieutenant Alexander Bonnyman, leading his men with a quiet courage that belied the chaos around him. Despite being wounded, he relentlessly attacked a bombproof shelter housing several Japanese soldiers. His actions, resulting in the destruction of this defensive position, earned him the Medal of Honor, posthumously. On the Japanese side, the grim reality of their situation started to dawn. As supplies dwindled and casualties mounted, Shibasaki's fortress began to crumble. But even in the face of inevitable defeat, the Japanese fought on, believing that their sacrifice would slow down the American advance in the Pacific. Despite the stiff resistance, the Marines pushed forward, their spirits steeled by the challenges they faced. Slowly but surely, they began to gain ground, clearing bunkers, silencing gun positions, and securing more of the island. Yet, the victory came at a heavy cost. The waters around Tarawa turned a chilling red, the sands of the beach littered with the fallen. For those who fought and survived, the memories of Tarawa would forever be etched in their hearts, a grim reminder of the harsh reality of war. Back home, news of the battle trickled in, bringing with it a sobering understanding of the challenges in the Pacific. The faces of the young Marines who left for battle were now etched in the minds of the American public, their sacrifice a testament to the price of freedom. The Battle of Tarawa, a brutal confrontation that turned a piece of paradise into a living hell raged on, painting a vivid picture of the human cost of World War II. The outcome was gradually becoming clear, but the scars it left behind were far from healed. The echoes of this ferocious fight would resonate long after the last gunshot fell silent. Amidst the ferocious fury of battle, 
moments of heroism sparked like beacons, illuminating the darkness of war. These were instances when ordinary men, facing extraordinary circumstances, rose beyond their calling to etch their names in the annals of history. Take the tale of First Lieutenant William Hawkins, for instance. His bravery was the stuff of legends. Even when his landing craft got stuck on the coral reef, forcing him and his men to wade through waist-deep water under enemy fire, Hawkins didn't lose his resolve. Once on the beach, he led his men forward, using his rifle and grenades to single-handedly clear multiple Japanese positions. Despite being gravely wounded, he pressed on until he finally succumbed to his injuries. Then there was Colonel David Shoup, the embodiment of leadership under fire. Wounded early in the battle, he refused to be evacuated, choosing instead to remain with his men. His radio messages, delivered amidst the roar of the battle, kept the higher command informed of the situation on the beach and guided subsequent landing waves. Shoup's courage, leadership, and indomitable fighting spirit were instrumental in securing the beachhead and eventually earned him the Medal of Honor. Private First Class Richard Sorensen, a brave Marine who threw himself on a live grenade to save his comrades, was another heroic figure. Despite suffering severe wounds, he lived to receive the Medal of Honor, his selfless sacrifice a testament to the Marine ethos of leaving no man behind. On the other side, Vice Admiral Keiji Shibasaki, though ultimately defeated, led his men with an unyielding spirit. He knew the odds were against him but rallied his troops to hold off the Americans as long as they could. His leadership, even in the face of certain defeat, was a testament to his resolve. These stories, and countless others, gave a human face to the Battle of Tarawa. They were moments of pure courage, of selfless sacrifice and unwavering camaraderie, shining brightly against the backdrop of war's brutal reality. These were the moments that shaped the narrative of the battle, etching it not only in history books but also in the hearts of those who heard their stories. Chapter 4 Turning the Tide Despite the heavy losses and grueling conditions, the Marines at Tarawa showed their true grit, pushing through the odds stacked against them. They fought with tenacity, born not only from their rigorous training but also from the unyielding belief in their cause. This undying spirit turned the tide of the battle and chiseled a hard-earned victory from the jaws of apparent disaster. The Marines' indomitable spirit was epitomized in the actions of men like Private First Class William Bordelon, a man who never faltered despite the direst circumstances. He rushed through a hailstorm of bullets to tend to the wounded and carry them back to safety. Even when severely injured, Bordelon destroyed multiple enemy installations, buying his comrades time to advance. Similarly, 2nd Lieutenant John Vargas and his squad were pinned down by machine gun fire. With steely resolve, Vargas led his men forward, ignoring his wounds to silence the enemy position. His selfless bravery inspired his fellow Marines, showing them that the Japanese defenses were not impregnable. Behind the lines, the likes of pharmacists mate 2nd Class George E. Wallen worked tirelessly under fire, saving countless lives. Despite being wounded himself, Wallen refused to be evacuated, showing a steadfast commitment to his comrades that earned him their admiration and respect. At the helm, 
Colonel David Shoup continued to inspire his men. His tactical acumen and unwavering leadership became instrumental in the Marines' gradual push across the island. Despite the obstacles, his determination never waned, a beacon of resolve that his men followed towards victory. Back on the American warships, Admiral Nimitz coordinated the battle, learning from early mistakes and adapting the strategy. His resilience reflected the broader American approach to the Pacific War, an unyielding commitment to overcoming any challenges. As the Battle of Tarawa neared its end, the Marines had, against all odds, secured the tiny island, marking a critical victory in the Pacific theater. The cost was steep, and the battle was brutal, but the resilience and courage displayed by the Marines paved the way for the future victories in the march towards Tokyo. Their perseverance, in the face of seemingly insurmountable odds, became one of the defining characteristics of the Battle of Tarawa. As the battle raged into its third day, the weary Marines rallied for a final push. Despite their wounds, both physical and emotional, they knew they were on the brink of victory, a victory that had already cost them dearly. Colonel Shoup's determination had never waned throughout the battle. Despite his injuries, he led his men into the final push with a sense of urgency, knowing that every moment they delayed gave the Japanese a chance to regroup. And so, the Marines surged forward, bolstered by the arrival of reinforcements. They advanced with renewed vigor, determined to end the brutal confrontation. They moved from one Japanese defensive position to another, engaging in fierce hand-to-hand -hand combat when necessary. Meanwhile, the naval artillery and aircraft from nearby carriers provided critical support, pummeling the remaining Japanese defenses, aiding the Marines in their advance. The coordinated efforts of the Marines on the ground, the Navy, and the Air Force were pivotal in this final push. Among the leaders in this last phase was Major Henry Crow, known for his fiery spirit and gritty determination. Under his lead, his battalion cleared multiple fortified positions, pushing the Japanese back and claiming more ground. His leadership in the face of formidable resistance played a significant role in the final victory. For the Japanese, resistance was futile but continued nonetheless. Shibasaki had been killed on the second day of battle, and the few surviving defenders were leaderless but resolute. They fought until the end, demonstrating a grim tenacity that defined the Pacific War's brutal nature. Eventually, after three days of ferocious fighting, BDO Island fell silent. The Marines had secured the island, their victory hard-earned and costly. The flag was raised over the battered landscape, a symbol of triumph amid the scars of battle. As the dust settled on the Battle of Tarawa, the Marines counted the cost. Nearly 1,000 had been killed and more than 2,000 wounded, a stark testament to the battle's intensity. The victory at Tarawa, while significant, reminded everyone of the long, bloody road still ahead in the Pacific War. The Battle of Tarawa had ended, but its echo reverberated across the Pacific, reaching the ears of those back home. Victory had been claimed, but it was a victory that bore the weight of tremendous sacrifice casting a solemn shadow over the jubilation. Colonel David Shoup, despite his injuries, witnessed the flag being raised over the ruined landscape of Bedio Island. A wave of pride swept over him, 
mixed with profound sorrow as he looked upon the faces of his fallen comrades. The losses were severe, with almost half of the assault force either killed or wounded. The battle's intensity took the lives of nearly a thousand Marines and injured over two thousand. Every inch of Tarawa had been paid for with blood, sweat, and lives of young men, a grim reality that Shoup understood all too well. This was the first time American forces had faced such entrenched Japanese defenses, and the high casualty rate was a shocking revelation. Admiral Chester Nimitz remarked, the capture of Tarawa knocked down the front door to the defenses of Japan. Yet, the cost was a sobering reminder of the brutal path that lay ahead. Back home, news of the victory at Tarawa was met with mixed emotions. Elation was dampened by the grim tally of casualties. Families mourned their lost sons, brothers, and husbands, while a nation grappled with the human cost of the war in the Pacific. The images and stories that emerged from Tarawa were a stark contrast to the initial romanticized idea of war, painting a picture of harsh reality that could not be ignored. The victory at Tarawa, while a crucial step forward in the Pacific campaign, served as a solemn testament to the human cost of war. It was a lesson in the true price of victory, a lesson that would resonate through the remainder of World War II and beyond. The sands of Tarawa bore the scars of this lesson, a silent reminder of the battle and the lives it claimed. Chapter 5 Ripples in the Pacific The price paid at Tarawa was high, but the strategic gain was substantial. The capture of the island marked a significant step forward in the Pacific campaign. It gave the Allies a valuable staging post for further assaults on the Japanese-held islands and demonstrated that the Japanese defensive strategy could be overcome, albeit at a high cost. Admiral Chester Nimitz, at the heart of this Pacific strategy, was acutely aware of the value of Tarawa. It was a stepping stone, a foothold that allowed American forces to threaten other significant targets, like the Marshall Islands. From his command post, he could now plot the course of the war with a little more certainty, the victory at Tarawa bolstering his strategic plans. At the same time, the battle had provided invaluable experience for the American forces. They had learned harsh lessons about amphibious assault against heavily fortified positions, lessons that would guide their strategies and tactics in future operations. New landing craft designs and better pre-landing bombardment strategies were among the many changes implemented as a direct result of the Battle of Tarawa. Moreover, the victory had psychological implications. The Marines had taken on the formidable Japanese Pacific defenses and emerged victorious, boosting morale among the American forces and sending a clear message to the Japanese. The Americans were coming, and they were prepared to pay the price for victory. However, the significant strategic gain did not diminish the human cost of the battle. The victory was as much a tribute to the fallen as it was a military achievement. The lessons learned from Tarawa, both strategic and human, would echo throughout the remainder of World War II, shaping the course of the Pacific Campaign. Despite the grim toll, the Battle of Tarawa marked a turning point in the war, a tangible shift in momentum. The Marines' resilience and the strategic value of their victory were reminders of the Allies' determination and the lengths they were willing to go to secure victory in the Pacific.
the Battle of Tarawa was a brutal encounter that provided invaluable lessons for the Americans, shaping their tactics and strategy for the rest of the Pacific Campaign. Both at home and on the battlefield, the realities of the battle led to profound changes. Admiral Chester Nimitz, still processing the costly victory, was among the first to recognize the tactical and strategic lessons from the battle. The difficulties faced during the amphibious assault made it clear that more effective landing crafts and better pre-landing bombardment were crucial for future operations. This realization led to significant changes in American strategy and equipment. Under Nimitz's guidance, new amphibious tractors, or Amtraks, were developed for better navigation over coral reefs. The intensity of pre-invasion bombardment was significantly increased in future operations, aiming to weaken enemy defenses before the ground troops landed. These changes reflected a tactical evolution sparked by the experience at Tarawa. Colonel David Shoup, who had been at the heart of the battle, recognized the importance of flexible command structures and the necessity for well-coordinated attacks. His experiences led him to advocate for better communication systems and more comprehensive training for troops to adapt quickly to changing battlefield conditions. For the public and government officials back in the United States, the newsreels and stories from Tarawa were a grim wake-up call. The government faced pressure to ensure that such heavy casualties were avoided in future battles, leading to a heightened focus on battlefield medicine and troop welfare. This was a societal lesson from Tarawa that changed the way the public perceived the war. The lessons from Tarawa reached far beyond the island's sandy shores. The battle was a critical juncture in the Pacific War, one that transformed American military strategy, stimulated technological advancements, and altered public perception of the war. Despite the high cost, the lessons learned at Tarawa were instrumental in shaping the pathway to eventual victory in the Pacific. Even amid the stark realities of the Battle of Tarawa, a spark of hope was ignited. The victory had come at a high cost, but it had demonstrated that the Allies were capable of breaching the formidable Japanese Pacific defenses. This realization was a crucial morale boost for the American forces and the public back home. For the Marines who fought at Tarawa, there was a sense of pride in their victory. They had faced some of the toughest conditions imaginable and had come out on top. Men like Colonel Shoup and Major Henry Crow, who had led their troops through the horrors of battle, could see the determination in the eyes of their Marines. It was a testament to their resilience, a sign that they were ready to face whatever lay ahead. Back in the United States, despite the shock at the high casualties, there was a newfound respect and admiration for the Marines. Their courage and determination had been showcased for all to see. The public rallied behind them, their support reinforced by the stark images and stories that came out of Tarawa. News of the victory also reached the ears of President Franklin D. Roosevelt. Despite the high human cost, he recognized the strategic importance of the win. It was a demonstration of American resolve a clear message to the Axis powers that the United States was willing and able to take the fight to them. This boosted morale not just on the home front, but also among the Allies. However, the boost in morale was tempered by a sobering understanding of the challenges that still lay ahead. The victory at Tarawa was a significant step, 
but the path to ultimate victory in the Pacific was still a long and potentially brutal one. Nevertheless, the boost in morale following the Battle of Tarawa was a crucial element in maintaining the momentum in the Pacific campaign. It demonstrated the resolve and resilience of the American forces and served as a reminder of what they were fighting for, victory, however hard one it may be. Chapter 6 The Legacy of Tarawa The Battle of Tarawa was more than a military operation, it was a poignant human drama that left an indelible mark on history. Its brutal reality was etched in the memory of every survivor, resonating through the decades as a solemn reminder of the ferocity of war. Colonel David Shoup, who received the Medal of Honor for his leadership at Tarawa, carried the weight of that battle throughout his life. He would recount the ferocious fighting, the heroism of his Marines, and the heavy toll it took on their ranks. His stories painted a vivid picture of the brutality of Tarawa, a tribute to the fallen and a reminder of the human cost of war. Photographer Norman Hatch, whose images brought the reality of Tarawa to the public, continued to recount the events he had witnessed through his lens. His film, with the Marines at Tarawa, served as a visual testament to the battle's brutality, imprinting the raw images of war on the minds of viewers. His work brought the battle to life in a way words couldn't, capturing the essence of the conflict for future generations. For the families of the fallen, the memory of Tarawa was a painful wound. Each casualty report, each letter home, was a poignant reminder of a loved one lost. Their memory was honored in countless ways, through stories told, letters kept, and photos cherished. They became a part of the collective memory, the brutal reality of Tarawa etched in the heart of a nation. Over time, Tarawa came to symbolize the gritty resolve and sacrifice of the Marines during World War II. Monuments were erected, stories written, films made, all in remembrance of the brutal battle and the men who fought it. The sands of Tarawa, once stained with the blood of warriors, became hallowed ground, a lasting monument to a battle that would never be forgotten. The legacy of Tarawa is one of courage, sacrifice, and brutal reality. It serves as a stark reminder of the cost of war and the resilience of the human spirit. Even as the memories fade with time, the echo of the Battle of Tarawa continues to reverberate, a testament to the brutality and heroism of that fateful conflict. In the aftermath of the Battle of Tarawa, the nation grappled with the immensity of the loss. The fallen Marines and sailors, brave souls who had given their lives on the bloody shores of Tarawa, were deeply mourned and their sacrifice became the cornerstone of efforts to memorialize the battle. One such effort was the National Memorial Cemetery of the Pacific, located in Honolulu, Hawaii. Known as the Punchbowl Cemetery, this solemn place of remembrance is the final resting place for many of the servicemen who died during the Pacific War, including those who fell at Tarawa. Carved into the cemetery's marble monuments are the names of the heroes who paid the ultimate price. Families and visitors come to pay their respects, each name a silent testament to their bravery. Closer to home, communities across America remember their local heroes. In his hometown, Major Henry Crow, the resolute officer who led his Marines with unwavering courage at Tarawa, is commemorated with a bronze plaque in the town square. 
Such tributes are common across the country, each community remembering their own in unique, heartfelt ways. Schools, parks, and streets are named after the fallen, embedding their memory into the fabric of everyday life. In the heart of the country, a small school bears the name of Private First Class Donald McHugh, a young Marine from Tarawa whose courage in battle continues to inspire generations of children in his hometown. Efforts to memorialize the fallen extend beyond the United States. On the island of Bidio and Tarawa Atoll, a solemn monument stands overlooking the beach where the battle took place. It's a simple, haunting tribute, a reminder of the lives lost on this remote island so far from home. Every November, the anniversary of the battle is marked with ceremonies, speeches, and quiet reflection. Veterans and their families, historians, and military personnel gather to honor the memories of those who fell at Tarawa. Through these memorials, both grand and intimate, the fallen of Tarawa are honored and remembered. Their names, their stories, and their sacrifice continue to echo through the years, a solemn tribute to their heroism. While the brutal realities of the battle cannot be forgotten, the memory of those who gave their lives at Tarawa is preserved with honor, gratitude, and deep respect. The Battle of Tarawa, although confined to a tiny atoll in the vast Pacific, left an enduring mark on history. Its influence extended far beyond the immediate context of World War II, its echoes reverberating through the corridors of time. Among historians, the battle is often cited as a turning point in the Pacific War. It was a demonstration of American resolve and the first time U.S. forces had faced such formidable Japanese defenses on a Pacific island. The lessons learned in the blood and sand of Tarawa were carried forward to later battles, influencing strategic planning and tactics. One man who embodied these lessons was Colonel David Shoup. His experiences at Tarawa shaped his understanding of warfare and the human cost associated with it. When he later became the Commandant of the Marine Corps, he used his Tarawa experiences to influence the Corps' strategic thinking and training programs. His leadership left a lasting impact, reflecting the echoes of Tarawa within the Marines. Norman Hatch's gripping footage from the battle didn't just shock the American public, it changed war journalism forever. His work paved the way for a more realistic, uncompromising portrayal of war, a tradition that continues in today's war reportage. The echoes of his Tarawa footage can still be seen in the raw, unfiltered images that now typify war reporting. The impact of the battle was also felt on a more personal level. For the families of the fallen, Tarawa became a symbol of sacrifice and loss. Their stories, passed down through generations, became a part of the collective memory, an intimate echo of the battle that continues to resonate. Even in popular culture, Tarawa left its mark. Books, films, and documentaries continue to depict the battle, each new portrayal a reflection of its historical significance. The echoes of Tarawa continue to resonate, its lessons, sacrifices, and victories a vital part of our understanding of World War II. In these ways, and many more, the Battle of Tarawa continues to echo through history. Its influence, felt in the realms of military strategy, journalism, personal memory, and popular culture, is a testament to its significance. 
As we remember the brutal conflict on the tiny atoll, we also acknowledge its lasting impact, the echoes of Tarawa that continue to shape our world.